Amateur Radio Newsline Report number 2306 with a release date of Friday, January 7th, 2022. To follow in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. The following is a QST. Hams step in amid Colorado's wildfires. Hams in the UK salute 100 years of the BBC and it pays to call CQ in some of the most unlikely places. All this and more as Amateur Radio Newsline Report number 2306 comes your way right now. From around the world, this is Newsline. Amateur Radio's independent, on-the-air news and bulletin service. And now reporting from Valparaiso, Indiana, here's Paul Brown, WD9GCO. We begin this week with a look at a Colorado landscape devastated by wildfires. As always, Amateur Radio responded. Here's Randy Sly, W4XJ, with the details. Colorado hams were active and on high alert as wildfires consumed as many as 1,000 homes and businesses in suburban Denver in recent days. The wildfires, believed to be among the state's most damaging, began on Thursday, December the 30th, as two grass fires erupted in mid-morning. Hams with Boulder County Aries were activated. Amanda Alden, K1DDN, Public Information Coordinator for the ARRL Colorado Section, told Newsline that Boulder County Aries Chairman Alan Bishop, K0ARK, and Colorado Section Emergency Coordinator John Blome, KF0JB, sent out preemptive pages and alerts to a group of adjacent counties for Aries members who could assist in Boulder. There was concern that the fires, fanned by 100-mile-an-hour winds, would block the usual responders' access to the area. As evacuations of thousands began, Aries Ops were on the air at the Boulder EOC and three evacuee shelters. The fires eradicated whole neighborhoods in the towns of Superior and Louisville in Boulder County, and people had only minutes to safely escape. Amanda told Newsline that approximately 12 Aries members kept communications running, especially at shelters where Aries members remained for 44 hours. As snow began to fall 24 hours after the initial fire, the blazes were mostly extinguished and power was being restored. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Randy Sly, W4XJ. Following a flood late last year, hams in Germany have begun rethinking their emergency response strategies. Ed Durant, DD5LP, has that story. The painful lessons of the flooding in Germany, where the Ahr River burst its bank last December, were not lost on amateur radio operators. A prototype radio response system is now in the works with an eye toward a rollout and demonstration this coming April. Networks are being established featuring high-performance Wi-Fi communications providing those in hard-hit areas with the ability to send and receive messages over the internet. The prototype's development is being underwritten by the Deutsche Amateur Radio Club. Full-scale nationwide operation is estimated at costing 1 million euros. The DARC's emergency radio officer, Oliver Schlag, DL7TNY, said outside funding would be needed to implement the full programme. The ultimate goal is to provide the Wi-Fi connections through the WLAN components as well as charging stations for mobile devices of those in the impacted areas. From Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Ed Durant, DD5LP. Wireless installations may soon be facing a fee in the U.S. for operating on public forest land. Dave Parks, WB8ODF, gives us those details. 
In the United States, one of the bigger battles that the American Radio Relay League is taking on in this new year is the U.S. Forest Service's plan to collect fees from anyone using its public lands for permanent communication installations, possibly including some ham radio repeaters. The agency's proposal would have an impact on more than 1,367 sites, serving an estimated 10,000 wireless communications uses. The annual fee is required by the Agriculture Improvement Act of 2018. This fee would apply only to new and existing permanent installations on Forest Service lands and would have no impact on visiting amateurs' portable use of any U.S. national parks and forests. The Forest Service says the fees are necessary to cover costs for creation of communication site management plans, the hiring of people for the communications use program, and upgrading access to communication sites on Forest Service lands. The Federal Register notice explains that lands within the National Forest System are utilized for communications providers, towers, buildings, and other permanent infrastructure. The ARRL is encouraging amateurs to comment in writing no later than February 22nd on how this would impact ham radio installations on these properties. Send comments online to the Federal Rulemaking Portal. There is also an address for deliveries through the U.S. Postal Service. Send mail to Director, Lands and Realty Management Staff, 201 14th Street, Southwest Washington, D.C., 20250-1124. All correspondence must include a reference to RIN0596-AD44. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Dave Parks, WB8ODF. In the UK, the amateurs are saluting the professionals with a year-long special event station marking the 100th anniversary of the British Broadcasting Company. Jeremy Boot, G4NJH, tells us how to get in on the action. If you hear the special event call sign GB100BBC on the HF bands, you're hearing the sound of celebration. The BBC's amateur radio club, known as the London BBC Radio Group, is using that call sign throughout this year to mark a 100 years since a number of wireless radio manufacturers, including Marconi, created the British Broadcasting Company. Ham stations are getting on the air from the main shack in central London, as well as from members' QTHs and other BBC locations. Organisers ask all contacts please to keep in mind that there will be no direct QSLs. Commemorative QSL cards will be available only through the Bureau. You may also QSL using Logbook of the World and eQSL. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Jeremy Boot, G4NJH. In Washington State, one Navy veteran has transformed an old camper into a resource for emergency response. Christian Kudnick, K0STH, tells us about him. Retired U.S. Navy Commander Frank Hutchinson, AG7QP, has taken the principles of submarine design that he learned in the military and steered them in the direction of his amateur radio public service work. An emergency responder in his Spokane, Washington community, Frank has converted a 60-year-old camper trailer into a ham radio communications center, a project he began more than a year ago. The trailer now has the capacity for three radios, two heavy-duty rechargeable batteries, and a pair of 200-watt solar panels on the roof to keep the interior lit. There's even a kitchenette. 
Following months of work, Frank was able to give the camper a test drive of sorts this past October during an emergency exercise at his church. That helped Frank see what needed to be done to get the emergency vehicle ready for action. Frank, who is the Assistant Emergency Coordinator for the Spokane County Amateur Radio Emergency Service, told the Spokesman newspaper that the renovated trailer, quote, gives me the capability of helping others. I can support local and statewide emergency communications for one week without any outside support, end quote. He told the newspaper that he hoped there would never be a need to use it at all. But with wildfires and other natural disasters a reality, he'll be ready just in case. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Christian Kudnick, K0STH. The new year has brought new leadership to Radio Amateurs of Canada. Phil A. McBride, VA3QR slash VA3KPJ, has taken office as the RAC's new president succeeding Glenn McDowell, VE3XRA. Phil formerly served as the director of Ontario South for the RAC. Licensed since 1984, Phil's other amateur radio activities include membership in the Canadian Forces affiliate radio system and work as webmaster and club examiner for Guelph Amateur Radio Club. It's time for you to identify your station. We are the Amateur Radio Newsline, heard on bulletin stations around the world, including the K6PVR repeater in Ventura, California, on Sundays at 6.30 p.m. local time. The ARRL has redefined what is considered low power in its contests. Stephen Kinford, N8WB, brings us that report. New Year's Day marked the start of a new definition of low power for operators in HF contests sponsored by the ARRL. The league now defines low power as 100 watts or less. Although the ARRL says it made the move to standardize its categories with those in other low power contests, the league also recognizes that 100 watts is now the most common maximum output of most modern HF transceivers. The previous power limit was 150 watts. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Stephen Kinford, N8WB. Organizers of the annual Fox Mike Hotel Portable Operations Challenge are making the event available to any group wanting to host the contest, which was founded on the concept of leveling the playing field for operators by the use of kilometers per watt scoring and a golf-like handicapping rules. The steering committee believes its approach, methods, and rules can be used as is or adjusted as needed, although the name of the event must be retained. Details about how to get started are in the September-October 2021 issue of the National Contesting Journal, which is free as a digital download to all ARRL members. The latest incident of broadcast interference with air traffic controllers has been halted in the Netherlands. Jeremy Boot, G4NJH, brings us the story. Dutch authorities have closed down the radio interference from an FM broadcaster that was disrupting communications between pilots and air traffic controllers at an Amsterdam airport. A report on the website of the Dutch National Amateur Radio Society, Veron, said that the FM transmissions were from a licensed broadcaster but were in violation because the music was being broadcast on the aviation band. Air Traffic Control of the Netherlands said the transmitter has since been shut down, no information was given about any sanctions, and the broadcaster was not identified. According to the report, the violation posed a risk, but no planes were in immediate danger during that period. 
For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Jeremy Boot, G4NJH. In Australia, one project is studying how artificial intelligence can aid radio transcription for the military. Graham Kemp, VK4BB, brings us the details. The Australian Army is working to simplify some areas of its radio communications through the help of a collaborative effort with Microsoft. The program relies on artificial intelligence, or AI, to automate communication transcriptions and analysis. The military is hoping the end result will be greater situational awareness and a higher level of tactical decision-making. A December 16 report by the Microsoft News Centre said the first priority will be the analysis of radio voice communications, providing searchable text transcripts that military commanders can refer to and glean enhanced situational awareness, this to assist in their decision-making. Part of that effort is to use AI to identify sender, recipient and other key message parameters which will help sort out the transcription process properly. Brigadier Ian Langford, Director General of the Future Land Warfare Branch, told Microsoft, and I quote, Employing artificial intelligence tools through a reliable, secure and resilient platform to consolidate battlefield communications is an important step towards the creation of a decision support engine to create decision advantage in the future. End quote. As a return vet, this sure sounds a little different than when I was repairing the old PRC-25s. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Graham Kemp, VK4BB. In the world of DX, be listening for members of the West Bengal Radio Club, VU2WB, in India, operating with the special call sign AU2GSI from Sagar Island, AS153, between the 9th and the 16th of January. The activation coincides with the Ganga Saga Mela celebration. Be listening on 40, 20, and 15 meters. Send QSLs via EQSL. Jacques F6HMJ is on the air in southern Senegal as 6W7 slash F6HMJ through to February 22nd. Listen for him on 40 to 10 meters where he will be using CW and single sideband. Send QSLs to his home call. There's still time to work on Drea, HB9DUR, who is using the call sign EX0DX from Kyrgyzstan. He is there until the 10th of January. Listen on various HF bands. QSL to his home call via Logbook of the World, Club Log OQRS, or EQSL. A small team of operators will be on Friars Island, SA023, Brazil, from January 20th to the 23rd. Listen to ZY6Alpha. The team will be operating on various HF bands. QSL details are on QRZ.com. The Bouvet Island 3Y0J expedition recently announced some replacements in the team. Cesar VE3LYC and Otis NP4G have come on board for the November trip, which is going ahead after the departure of Sandro VE7NY, Lacey HA0NAR, and Dima RA9USU. The team expects to be on the island for three weeks. You never know what's going to happen when you call CQ. One ham in Tennessee found out that if you do it in an unlikely place, using an unlikely method, you might just be surprised at what happens. Here's Skeeter Nash, N5ASH, with our final story for the week. There was no doubt about it. Bill Price, K4FLH, was calling CQ, and the sound of his Morse code practice could be heard loud and clear everywhere. In this case, Everywhere turned out to be the inside of the huge Walmart store where he was shopping. Instead of using a keyer, Bill was practicing his CW 
using the small, high-pitched electronic horn that's attached to the riding cart that the store provides for disabled shoppers like him. The horn is there to warn other shoppers of the cart's approach. Bill tells Newsline he's been practicing that way since the summer, and he never once thought anything would come of it except improved code practice. That is, until late December. Bill wrote on Facebook that, to his surprise, that day, his Morse message caught the ear of another shopper, a fellow ham, also using a cart with a horn. What followed was a 10-minute QSO between the two. It ended when they agreed to meet up at the checkout for an eyeball QSO. Bill not only got his shopping list completed, he ended up with something that wasn't on his list. He wrote, quote, I now have a new friend, end quote. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Skeeter Nash. N5ASH. With thanks to Amanda Alden, K1DDN, the ARRL, the BBC, Bill Price, K4FLH, CQ Magazine, David Behar, K7DB, DXWorld.net, Frank Howell, K4FMH, Market Research Telecast, Microsoft News, QRZ.com, Radio Amateurs of Canada, Southgate Amateur Radio News, The Spokesman Newspaper, ShortwaveRadio.de, the 3Y0J website, Veron, Wireless Institute of Australia, and you, our listeners, that's all from the Amateur Radio Newsline. You can write to us at newsline at arnewsline.org. We remind our listeners that Amateur Radio Newsline is an all-volunteer, non-profit organization that does incur expenses for its continued operation. If you wish to support us, please visit our website at arnewsline.org and know that we appreciate you all. For now, with Karen Eve Murray, KD2GUT at the news desk in New York, and our news team worldwide, I'm Paul Brown, WD9GCO in Valparaiso, Indiana, saying 73. And as always... We thank you for listening. Amateur Radio Newsline is copyright 2022. All rights reserved.